0: Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Okay. The topic is a more excellent way. A more excellent way. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 to 9. In the spirit of awake and the portion of the scriptures you are reading, I had different things I wanted to share, um, concerning you know things that were inspired from the book of Acts, things that were inspired from the life of the early church, how they lived, and all of that. Um, I can't share everything, so I chose to choose one. As I had to choose one. That has to do with spiritual gifts and i'm just going to talk about this from paul's letters and the title is a more excellent way first corinthians 1 verse 1 to 9 the bible says paul called to be an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of god in corinth to those sanctified in christ jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you, because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you therefore you do not lack any spiritual gifts therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our lord jesus christ to be revealed it will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our lord jesus christ god is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son jesus christ our lord may the lord bless the reading of his word in our hearts in jesus name all right so a more excellent way you may have heard me preach this sermon before but there's no harm in repeating things is there good i think it's important that we are reminded every now and then You know, when we say that this excellent church is a charismatic, evangelical church, um, we shouldn't throw away the charismatism um, for whatever reason. (laughs) Praise God. And so, um, anyway, in Paul's letters to the Corinthians, we see that Paul constantly was reprimanding this church, many reasons first corinthians looks like a book that was written to show certain people pepe you know based off um their bad behaviors okay so we see many reasons why you know paul kept on reprimanding them for example we see paul reprimanding them because of divisions among them we see that in chapter three see, Paul reprimanding them because of sexual immorality. In fact, Paul says there is sexual, the kind of sexual immorality that you don't hear among unbelievers in chapter 5. We also see Paul reprimanding them about the abuse of spiritual gifts. You see, Paul reprimanding them about the abuse of the communion in chapter 11. You know, we see Paul reprimanding them about how they went about um, with their lawsuits. Amen see Paul reprimanding them in all of those places over and over again. And he said all of that because even though they were Christians, Paul recorded that they were walking in the flesh. Um, that's in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters. So he's talking to believers. He says, you are brothers and your sisters. <coughs> he says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in christ amen it says that i'm addressing you as infants in christ as people who are still worldly and so of course moving forward as I started you know boy,ing them starts seeing that truly they were worldly truly there was a man among them who was sleeping with his father's wife and the church was very fine with it. truly you know there was division among them truly they were abusing the communion such so much so that they were getting drunk on the wine of the Lord's table. Shame. Yet, Paul calls them brothers and sisters. He said that despite the fact that they were believers, despite the fact that they were Christians, he said they were infants. And I hope by now we understand what he means when he says that someone is an infant. According to Hebrews chapter 5, it means that they are unskillful in the word of righteousness. And so you have to keep repeating the same things to them over and over and over again. Whereas those who are mature, who are already eating solid food, are those who are skillful in the word of righteousness. So, maturity or solid food, better said, is skillfulness in the word of righteousness. Does that make sense? Maturity is skillfulness in the word of righteousness, immaturity is unskillfulness. In the word of righteousness. And so these people, Paul says they are God's holy people. And this is where I'm going, okay? Paul says that they are God's holy people. He called them saints. He said they are sanctified. Yet he went ahead to reprimand them for various sins. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yet it doesn't have it. It will. Just true. Let me say it again. That despite the fact that Paul had reprimanded them over and over again for their wrongdoings, right? Paul, at the beginning of his letter, called them saints, called them God's holy people, called them sanctified ones. It means that there is an identity that they bear. This is who you are. Your problem is that you are unskillful. In the word of righteousness. Does it make sense now? This is who you are. You are holy. You are sanctified. You are God's holy people. or you are unskillful in the word of righteousness. So this entire letter. Was written for the purpose of bringing them up. To speed. With the word of truth. Amen. Now is this an excuse for heretics and false believers? Of course not. You know how that? what I just said now. Someone is hearing something else. Someone is hearing that I can continue in sin. Continue being a silly person. But I'm God's holy people. You are a comedian. And you are a thief. A heretic is someone who has been confronted with the truth and he rejects it. Amen? Amen. An unskillful believer is someone who is still grappling with the truth. Do you understand? He is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So, the solution to the unskillful believer is to present the truth to him again properly so that he may grow. The heretic, the, the, the word of God will be presented to him. He will reject it and say, this is not it. This is my own view. Do you understand the difference? Amen? So, is it possible that unskillful believer can develop into heretic? Yes. because unskillful believer can insist that I am right and you are wrong so you have double problem in life he's unskillful in the world of righteousness and he's a heretic he's now going to hellfire so sad (laughs) praise God so despite all of their shortcomings Paul calls them God's holy people now in this same chapter 1 that we just read Paul now narrows it down to spiritual gifts, Paul still showed that despite the fact that they were carnal and unskillful in the proper administration of these spiritual gifts, such that Paul has to tell them in chapter 12 that now concerning spiritual gifts, guys, I don't want you to be ignorant. They were unskillful in their administration of it. Chapter 14 will show you when you read it that truly Paul has to deal with their excesses do you understand what I'm saying? You've read chapter 14 Abby, and you know that Paul was dealing with excesses there. Amen? Good. So, despite the fact that Paul knew their unskillfulness in administering the gifts of the Spirit, Paul still acknowledged in verse 7, in verse 6, no, 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 in verse 5. says, for in him you have been enriched in every way. Paul says that I'm seeing All the rubbish you people are doing. But I will not deny. That you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech. And with all knowledge. And by these things God is confirming our testimony among Christ. About Christ among you. Does that make sense to you? That by these things. That these riches that God has given to you. In knowledge. In revelation. In speech. It says that by these gifts. God is confirming our testimony about Christ. That's so beautiful. In now says that therefore you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So just like in the larger context they are believers, God's only people who are unskillful in the world of righteousness, Paul still acknowledges the fact that they are children of God they are just unskillful. And so Paul takes the you know, time and the energy to write to them that, guys, you have to come up either. You have to have sense. Does that make sense? Narrowing it down to spiritual gifts, he acknowledges that you guys are actually, as a church, you guys are actually enriched in all utterance and in all knowledge, right? And through this, God is confirming our testimony among you. And so you guys do not lack any spiritual gifts. But... We are still unskillful in the administration of it. The lesson here is that the abuse or improper handling of a good thing does not change that that thing is good. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Let me say that again. The abuse or improper handling of a good thing does not change that that thing is good. However, the abuse or improper handling of it changes how it is perceived changes how it is received but it doesn't change the nature of it that's why the bible says that your good can actually be spoken of as evil do you understand so what is good can be spoken of as evil so the abuse of a thing of a good thing does not invalidate the fact that it is good but it can affect the way it is perceived it can affect the way it is received is that that clear beautiful so 1 Corinthians is replete with instructions on how to conduct ourselves so that that which is good is not spoken of as evil. Now let's go to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Have we made progress so far in this teaching? Have we learned? Very good. You want me to do? enter my teacher mode and ask questions? I won't. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1-11 Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will not say what I want to say. But no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The heretic knows what I'm, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> Verse 4 There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings or operations. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for who? For the common good. You know, if you read this in the King James and you don't understand English, you will misinterpret the text. Because in the King James, it says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to one, to profit with all. And so, some people read this to mean that the gifts of the Spirit are for my profiting. You are a liar. It is for the common good. It is to profit everyone. Amen? Amen. Are the gifts of the Spirit for your profiting, for your personal profiting? Eh, don't say no completely, Sha. We're, we relax small, small. <laughs> but you get, that text is not saying that the gifts of the Spirit are for your personal profiting. That will say that the gifts of the Spirit are given to profit with all. Or to profit for the common good. To one, there is giving through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers; To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between gifts. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he details praise the Lord. Let me have his preaching voice. Share, stop it. All right, I'm sorry. So I was joking with these guys. We were praying one night at that, and we're just laughing at people who have preaching voices. I'm grateful to God that my pastor doesn't have a preaching voice because that would have been very awkward imagine you know how peace talks normally he now comes and says and the lord blesses (laughs) i'll disobey you sir. (laughs) (laughs) but it's good to have preaching voice if you want all right let me focus Now, I believe so strongly from the text that we just read that the Lord blesses his church with gifts and abilities by his spirit. The Corinthian church, regardless of how crazy they were, the Bible says that God has enriched them with all utterance and with all knowledge and says that they are not lacking in any spiritual gifts. The Bible says here also that in verse 7, it says that to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not to just the apostles. It says to each one. Not to just the heads of a church. To each one. Not to just the pastor of the local assembly. To each one. Not to just the deacons. To each one. Praise God. To each one, the abilities of the Spirit are distributed according to the will of the Spirit. To each one. Amen and amen. The Bible says You know that the Lord has blessed his church. He works in individuals for the common good. He says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to one to profit without or for the common good. So he works in each individual for the common good. Does that sound familiar? There's a text like that in Ephesians in chapter 4. Just came to mind now. So let me quickly read it to you. Ephesians in chapter 4. Yeah, it says then, verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the Heir, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part. Does its work. Did you see that? So, the manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. We must hold that here because there is a more excellent way that wants to talk about soon. Hallelujah. So, there are different kinds of gifts, there are different kinds of administrations or functions. All right, administrations or functions talks about offices, gifts, you know, abilities, workings, or operations. Do I want to explain that? Let me free it. There are operations, and all of them by the same Lord, right? All of them are worked by God to benefit the church. So, brothers and sisters, God has blessed the church, not just the apostles, whom He blessed with signs accompanying their ministry. Truly, the, there is something called the sign of the apostles. Truly, there is something called the sign of the apostles. Let's see that quickly. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, um, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven to twelve. I'll run through that. It says, I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I also have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. Praise God. So there's such a thing as a sign of the apostles that. Um, validates their ministry. Those guys were on a class of their own. Okay? And there are signs that validated their ministry. Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 1, the Bible says that we should give the most energy to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. It says, If the words spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, did you see that? And confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness with what? Signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit according to his will. So the apostles, you know, were the ones who confirmed to us what was first preached by the Lord. Amen? Amen. You see that to be an apostle is not by um, what's this thing called when you give a child a name. There's an English word for it: christening. You don't christen people apostles. Amen. The apostles are people who urge the word from the Lord and confirm it to us. God bearing witness to the confirmation of their message through signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit according to his will. Do you see that? God bearing witness to their message. God bearing witness to their message. So when Paul is saying that, I have shown you the signs of of an apostle by by signs and wonders and mighty works. That's what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 2 also. Do you see that? So I am saying that God has blessed the church, not just the apostles, whom he blessed with signs accompanying their ministry, validating their apostleship. You know, of course, it's very important that those signs follow them. Think about it. If guys came and they said that, we heard the Lord, God incarnate. Hmm? We heard him. And you just came to tell us, what's the proof? How do we know you heard him? Baba, raised more dead. Amen. So the point is that the miracles, the signs and wonders that accompanied the ministry of the apostles was peculiar to them. Was very peculiar to them. All of those things, all those mighty works, very peculiar to them. But we must not be short-sighted to think that just because something was peculiar to them, that there is no other dimension of that working. Because the Bible tells us that in the church, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to prophets without. Do you understand? So the apostles have signs accompanying their ministry, validating their apostleship. But also as a collective, as a body, there is also giftings that has been distributed in the body. Do you understand? We may not be able to do it like the apostles because the apostles are on a class of their own where the Lord is validating the message that they are preaching to us through mighty works, Amen? We may not be like them, but there is an operation in the church also. Amen. Amen? There's an operation in the laity also. There's a working of God in the church. We must never be caught in extremes and say that, oh, those signs are the signs of the apostles. Now that the apostles have died, the signs of the apostles have gone. In a sense, yes, their are went with them, but there's a working in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you understand what I'm saying, raise your hand. Thank you very much. Pastor, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let me say it again. These things are not meant to be emphasized like this. But we are caught in a world where we have to emphasize this now. There is a sign of the apostles. Amen. There is a sign of the apostles. God bearing witness with signs and wonders, various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will right? Paul says that the sign of the apostles signs wonders and mighty works. And so, when they died, and now, of course, as the apostles were going, they were going with their sign, happy. <laughs> sign. The sign was accompanying, the sign was peculiar to validate the apostleship Do you get. But we will not now say that because they have died, that all the signs went, that all the, their own validation of God, like they don't need just sign against to I did their ministry or something. Do you understand what I'm saying? That so that means the gifts of the spirit have ceased. That's a joke. That's comedic. That's plain. That is clownry. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> because the Bible teaches us that apart from what is at work in the apostles, there's something at work in the body. There's something at work in the church that we must not lose sight of. So the church as a collective has been gifted. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to finish (laughs) by 7.30 lest I be sacked from (laughs) deaconship. Ephesians 4 verse 7-8 to The Bible says But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Do you see that? Now you may ask questions. But be down the line. It now says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Abhi. Say, I am not an olodo. Say it now. So you will say you did tutorial. That's you are not an Lododou enough. But <laughs> well, me and Daniel did not do tutorial. <laughs> Let me explain that. Let me explain that. Now, the Bible says that to each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Going down, it used to be said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Teachers. In my university days, we used to think. Nobody taught us this one. It wasn't like they wanted to deceive us. Just how we read this. We used to think that that means that among all of us, those gifts have been distributed. So maybe there are some here that are apostles. Maybe there are some of us here that are prophets. Uh -uh. Thank you, Daniel. Maybe there are some of us here that are prophets. Maybe there are some of us here that are evangelists. Maybe there are some of us here that are pastors and teachers. Don't look at me. All right. But that's not what it is to say, you know. Think about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I don't want to read go it, of time. The Bible says that, let me just read it. Let me read it. So I think, um, never mind. Okay, so it says that now you are the body of Christ, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Okay? That sounds familiar, right? It says that to each one um, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Right? So Christ has apportioned certain things to each person. Okay? So here again he says that now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Do you see why I said first of all? Based on everything I've been saying since does first of all make sense? First of all, apostles. I have a theory for why he said second of all prophets. But I don't have time to share my theory with you. Because I believe that there are still prophets in our day. Amen. I believe so strongly that there are prophets in our day. And I have Bible to back it up very well. That there are prophets in our day. Amen. <laughs> now, look at that. It says first prophet. Second First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, health, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So, reading it like this, can you see that when it says that each one of you have a part to play in the body? It's not saying that there are some of you. Or there, in the old body now, There is there are some that are apostles. Right? In the body, God gives some apostles, some teachers, some prophets. Right then, of course, there were now other things that were distributed. There are healings, there are miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and all of those things. Right? If you read that way, if you bring this reading to Ephesians chapter 4, it makes sense. When it says that, now to each person, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Such that when he, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men, and gave some. It does not mean that He divided the church, his entire body, into five and gave one over five apostles. The second one over five prophets. Do you see what I'm saying? He gave some apostles. So the emphasis of that chapter was on those five offices or four, as your theory can ease. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Are you sure? In Ephesians chapter four, he gave some apostles. Does not mean he gave one over five of the body of Christ apostles do you get? Because in a first Corinthians is saying that each, each of us have a path to play. Now, first of all, he gave apostles. Second, he gave prophets. Third, he gave teachers. It does not mean that it doesn't mean that everyone is either a prophet or a teacher or an apostle. It just means that among the people he unpicked some and said, you are leaders in the body and you are prophets, you are evangelists, you are pastors, you are teachers. Is that clear? Is it clear? Already is it clear? No, it was not clear. Which rest? That some don't have. It looks like it. Yes, now it looks like it. The Bible says what we read. The Bible says that to one he gave word of wisdom. To another, what does "to another" mean? <laughs> what does to one mean so does to one mean to all did you also read that it says that to each person the manifestation of the spirit is given to prophets without, meaning that it gave you something that you excel in so that it can be a blessing to other people so go ahead and read it again I will tell you why that thought that most of us probably had before is the reason why The title of this message is A More Excellent Way, or The More Excellent Way. Glory to God, though. In Romans chapter 12. Why can't I just be a tush preacher, just talk straight and be okay? Phew. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with so bad judgment, in accordance with the faith of God, with the, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Do you see that? Do you see that? We don't all have the same words. Color I say function. Thank you. All have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Are you seeing the way the apostle is talking? He says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to one to profit without. He's saying that each member belongs to the others. Amen? Very good. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Who else is saying that? To one, to another. Amen? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. I know that one of the questions that is boiling now, which I will answer at the end if you ask it, is are you now saying that people have different graces? I thought the grace of God is one. You see, after you beg God to give you grace. <laughs> it says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Amen? If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he didn't exhaust the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He also shows us that there there is more. Amen? And he shows that these giftings are are distributed to each person in the body of Christ. And that's so beautiful. I think that's amazing. So we see, um, I'll read out a few church fathers um, who had things to say concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, Um, let me start with... Justin Mata, 100 to 165 AD, said... For the prophetical gifts remain with us. This is after the apostles had died. Amen. They said the prophetical gifts remain with us, even to the present time. And hence you also understand that the gifts formerly among your nation have been transferred to us. And I was talking to an Israelite named Trifo, something like that. Or a Jew named Trifo. Irenaeus said in 130, between 130 and 202 A.D., said, in like manner, we do also hear many brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts and who through the Spirit speak all kinds of languages and bring to light for the general benefit. Are you seeing the way the children of the apostles are talking? For the what? General benefit. And bring to light for the general benefit the eating things of men and declare the mysteries of God. Um, origin. 185 to 254 AD. Some give evidence of their receiving, of having received through this faith a marvelous power by the cures which they perform, invoking no other name over those who need their help than that of the God of all things and of Jesus, along with a mention of his history. For by these means, we too have seen many persons freed from grievous calamities and from distractions of mind and madness, and countless other ills, which could be cured neither by men nor devils. There was a guy named Novatian or Novatian, I don't know book. He said, this is he who places prophets in the church, instructs teachers, directs tongues, gives powers and healings, does wonderful works. Often, discrimination of spirits affords powers of government, suggests councils and orders, and arranges whatever other gifts that are of charismatic, and thus makes the Lord's church everywhere and in all perfect and complete. Ah, So beautiful. (laughs) Please don't spoil my show. Hallelujah. But we see all these guys saying the same things and repeating the writings of the apostles, showing us that these things are present among us in the church. So, the question is, what should be our disposition towards them? Quickly, I'm going to have to run through these things. What should be our disposition towards them? You've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Number one, quench not slash forbid not. Quench not. Slash forbid not if you're writing first Thessalonians. What should be our dispositions to the gifts that have been distributed among us in Christ by the Spirit of God? The next time someone tells you that the sign gifts have ended, say yes, I agree. The ones that were validating the ministry of the apostles, of course. As they died, they, died they, they, they followed them. But there's something working in the church. Amen? There's something at work in the church. So you wants to be fighting semantics. Let's fight semantics, okay? Oh, the same gifts are ended. Yes, it's true. But God still distributes gifts in the church among his people. Amen? Amen? I hope you know the difference now. Do you know the difference? You're looking at me. Do you know the difference? OJB. <laughs> All right, quench not. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 22. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. I will say a few things here. Um, I will say a few things. It says that don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't hold prophecies with contempt. It says that test all things. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So instead of cringing at prophecies, and I've said this before, that you know sometimes some people's disposition to prophecy or the prophetic words is a cringe. When someone is giving a word, an inspired word, by the Lord, they begin to cringe, like, hey, they've come again, oh, they've come again, oh, they're to come and give us prophecy, oh, hey, oh, smiling prophecy, smiling prophecy. The Bible says, don't hold prophecies with contempt. Now, it says you should do the hard work. The easy way out is to say there are no prophecies, because it's making you cringe. Amen. That's the easy way out. Better said, that's the lazy way out. To say, well, there are no prophecies again. Nobody is prophesying again. What Paul says is that do the hard work. He says, test all things, reject what is evil, hold fast to that which is good. That's the hard work. But that's the work we don't want to do. Not me. I want to do the work. I don't despise prophecies. Praise God. I'm, I'm not saying it's pridefully. What's my wristwatch? Okay, you didn't get the joke. Never mind. <laughs> the Bible says you should test. You should test it. First Corinthians 14 29 to 31. You can read it later. But Paul was saying that let the prophets speak in turn and then let the others do what? Judge. Not let the others shut them up and say there are no prophecies again. He said, let them judge. And there are ways to judge. The Bible taught us ways to judge. For example, in Deuteronomy, I think we'll have to read them. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 to 22. I've never got into my point. Please, borrow me five minutes. Deuteronomy 18, 21 to 22. The Bible says, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, That prophet has spoken presumptuously. So, don't be alarmed. That's test number one unfulfilled prophecy. If the thing did not come to pass, don't be alarmed. They're false prophets. Praise God. Let me quickly say this that the gift of prophecy is revelatory. Amen. So, there's a dimension of it that is foretelling, meaning that it tells the future. Amen. There's also a dimension of it that reveals the secrets of a person's heart. As we see in 1 Corinthians 14, when the Bible says that, when they prophesy, the secrets of their heart are revealed. So it reveals what is hidden. Okay? It can foretell. It can inspiredly reveal. And it can give instruction. So that's why, for example, when we are praying, I'm leading prayer, and I'm saying that, oh, that when person preaches, that. His sermon will be prophetic. It means that we are asking that the Lord will communicate to us what we exactly need for our lives. Because it will it is revelatory, meaning that it is revealing what exactly is needed and it is addressing it. Does that make sense? So prophecy works in foretelling, in telling or by inspiration, right? And in that fourth telling, there is um, also a revelation of maybe the secrets of the art or a revelation that leads to instruction. Does that make sense? So you just know that you are meant to tell someone something. You are meant to instruct in this way. Praise God. Good. So the first test, right, is unfulfilled foretelling. The second test is misleading prophecies. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. It says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you. to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Amen. Okay. That means that prophet can come or someone can come Give you a word and you are impressed, but the outcome of that word is to lead you away from the Lord. He's a false prophet. That also means that you can test that kind of instruction. Any instruction he gives, you can test it on the foundation that the apostles have laid. Amen? You can test it, which leads into the third one. And the third way to test prophecies is um, instructions unfounded on apostolic doctrine. Remember I told you that it can come by instructions. So, instructions that are unfounded on apostolic doctrine is false prophecy. That is why I said that there are still prophets today. Let me tell you why. Because after Jesus ascended into heaven, the apostles were the ones who declared the word of God to us. God bore witness. Right? And so in Ephesians, Paul says that we are built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Which prophets? I'll tell you. The apostles are the ones that received the word of God. Abi, did you see any prophets in the New Testament, anyone who was called a prophet in the New Testament, who did the work of the apostles? Think about it now. Agabus, did Agabus teach you doctrine? The seven, sons, or the seven daughters of Philip, they teach you doctrine. Who, which prophets are they talking about? Because the apostles were basically teaching the prophets of the Old Testament. So the church is actually built on the, foundation, on the word of the prophets of the Old Testament, reviewed by the apostles in the New Testament. Amen? So the work of the apostle is very major, such that every other person is building on the work of the apostle, including the prophets of the New Testament prophets. So if a New Testament prophet comes with an instruction that is contrary to the doctrine of the apostles, he is a false prophet. No matter how gifted he is, no matter how many visions he has seen, If the instruction, if the outcome of his prophecy leads you away from apostolic doctrine, he is a false prophet. Does that make sense? So that means that if you are... How to be drawn away by false prophets? Don't be acquainted with your Bible. Don't know the Bible. Don't know the words of the prophets of the Old and the words of the apostles in the New Testament. False prophets will use you to eat. They will chop you. And the reason why they will chop you is because you don't know the word of God by which you will test the prophecies of the prophets. So you see, it looks like hard work, which it is actually. It is hard work to test prophecies. So the lazy way out is to say there are no prophets again. You say that there are no prophecies again. If I come out now and I said I have a word of prophecy, and it doesn't actually mean I'm foretelling, it just means that I have a word. I have a word, perhaps of instruction, right? I can come out and say that. I can raise my hand in service and say, sir, I perceive this, this, and this, and this. You know, And the Bible says, what the Bible teaches is that let someone talk, or two or three in turn, and let the others judge. So we judge it. But because people don't like the hard work, they say, well, it has this. There are no prophets again. If we do the hard work, we actually have less false prophets. I hope you know. Okay. You will know. And the same goes for other giftings. You know, when he talked talk about not quenching, same goes for other giftings. I'll just run through this in Mark 16, Mark 6, verse 1 to 6. Jesus went to his hometown, and the Bible tells us that um, he could not do many mighty works there. Why couldn't he do many mighty works there? The Bible says that they were offended at him. Not that they didn't see the miracles, but if you read the account, the account actually says that they are saying that where did he get the authority to be doing all these mighty works he's doing? So they saw the miracles. But the Bible says they were offended at him. And because they were offended at him, the Bible says he could not do any mighty works there. Does it mean that Jesus was incapacitated? No. You know, some word of faith doctrines or word of faith people say things like that. That honor incapacitates um, the working of miracles. Dishonor, I mean. You've heard that before. You've heard that before, hand. That if you don't have honor for you know, a gift or for a, an oppression of God, you know, it will, it will cancel it. But that's not what happened there. What happened there was that because they despised him, they didn't bring their sick to him. The Bible says he was only able to heal a few people. What about the other sick people? The Bible says they despised him. They were offended at him. So this is a common thing to do with The supernatural. With the gifts of the Spirit to despise. To say, this one, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. We're a cool church. Oh, you have interpretation of tongues. We don't do that here. Oh. We, don't do that here oh. we are very cool. We try to not make people feel uncomfortable. That's what happened there. That when you don't bring your sick to Jesus, you. The reason why we are not seeing many miracles is because the way the Lord ordained it is that if there's anyone who is sick among you, come to church, let us pray for you. I believe you no know. But you despise it. Come to church. It's communion. Maybe you'll be fine. <laughs> but no, you despise it. You despise that means of grace too. So you die. And I'm not saying that communion is for uh, is medicine. Well, if the Lord wills, it's gonna heal your body through that means of grace. But that's not the primary reason for it, that's not the use of it. That's always where error comes, that's where heresy starts from. We take what is secondary/slash tertiary and make it primary. Okay, in First Corinthians 14, verse 39 to 40. Um It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. Did you see that? So, for example, now, because when I said do not forbid speaking in tongues, now you said that, ah, well, in our church, we don't speak in tongues in public. Did you see the last thing they said there? All things should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. There is an order that has been declared from, by scriptures, by which tongues should be communicated, we will be faithful to it. Amen? There is an order by which prophecies should be communicated in scripture. What do we do to it? We are faithful. We are faithful to it. So it says, don't forbid it. How you will deal with the excesses is not by forbidding it, it's by bringing order. Amen? How we deal with the excesses of charismatism is not by forbidding it; it is by bringing order. Hallelujah. The second disposition, which is where I'm going to end, the second disposition is to desire. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, our first disposition is towards quench not. Right. Second disposition is to desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. The Bible says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now, there are arguments about what greater gifts means. Different people are arguing about this, right? But the emphasis is not on the greater gifts now. The emphasis right now is on desire, that you can actually desire. And that is reiterated again by Paul in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly what? Desire. Praise God says you should desire, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. In that last chapter verse we read, in verse 39, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. That should be your disposition. That, Lord, if you are doing something in our church, I'm eager. I want it. Lord, if there are tongues, I want it. If there's prophecy, I want it. But there's a more excellent way to desire. Praise God. Let me end by saying this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 13, after Paul has said, I show you the most excellent way, he says that guys desire the greater gifts, but I show you the most excellent way. He now goes on to do a, a, a teaching or whatever. Did I just say whatever? You yeah, know, I'm going to do a teaching on love. And then the next chapter, I continue this talk on the charismatic gifts. Why? Because the more excellent way is the way of love. So let me read what the great Apostle Paul said in verse chapter 14, chapter 13. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men, or of angels, let me backtrack again. It says, And yes, I show you the most excellent way. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Hmm. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patience. You see, this chapter is good for marriage. It's good for wedding um, teaching. It's good for marriage seminar. It's good for when you are joining a couple. But Paul was using his ear in the context of spiritual gifts from chapter 12 into 13 into 14. And he started saying some very profound things. He says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Honestly, desire the best gifts. But I show you a more excellent way a way of love. What is love? He says, Love does not envy. From the beginning, Paul had been emphasizing. That the reason why these gifts were given to one is for the common good. He's now saying that you should go through the way of love in desiring it. If you want it, you have to desire it through love. Unfeigned love for your brothers and sisters. Because in unfeigned love, we will prioritize the common good and not our own um, ag- aggrandization. He says, Love does not envy. That means that you don't see that something is at work in someone and you say, you know, what I want is to. In our university days, uh at once then, we show us videos, you know, of emojis, you know, Manasseh with the Dada and the other people, you know, the one that was snapping picture in the sky and all of those. People. You know, the photographer of heaven. Yeah. And they'll show us those pictures. And you know what those things did to us? Made us go and pray. We'll pray all night earnestly desiring. We'll pray all night, earnestly desiring. But what we are actually doing is envy. It's because we also want our name to be out there. We also want to be popular. We also want people to know us with the gifts. But the Bible says, love does not envy. The Bible already told you that the art of spiritual gifts is the common good. Not for your own good. Primarily. Do you, you get? do no. because if you pray in tongues, your spirit prays. So you are praying to God. You are fellowshipping with God. Let's do that. So it's not for your own good primarily; it's for the common good. But every time you look at, oh, they say ah, this person somewhere here that he walks on water, you go and pray twelve hours so he can walk on water too, brothers and sisters. You are a thief. Praise God. You don't want it for the common good. You don't. You are not going through the more excellent way. No, you are not. You are envious. You are envious. The Bible says love does not envy. It says it does not boast. Oh! <laughs> you know, last week when I went for evangelism, uh, five blind eyes open, pop open, 17 deaf ears, so the glory of God knew. This is the glory of God. Seven in deaf ears. Blind eyes open. madman 35. <coughs> he got healed. Love does not boast though. You know, love does not boast. And I, am I saying you should not share testimony? No. God knows your hearts. I don't know your hearts. God knows your hearts. But I'm just telling you that me, when me, I was there, I was boasting. I was envious. I was proud. Love is not proud. Praise God. Is this in touching your heart? Is it touching your heart? Is it showing you yourself that in those things that you desire sometimes, you are not necessarily desiring it for your brothers and sisters. You are desiring it for yourself so that they can know that there's a share match in Lagos. Have you heard of share Maj in Bagada? There's a man in Bagada. Full of the Holy Ghost and power. Uh When he blows into the mic, things happen. No. And I'm not saying that blowing does not do things. I'm just saying that, (laughs) you know, you are not to make a name for yourself with whatever it is that the Lord is doing in you. It says that love does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The point is that love prioritizes other people. And that's why when he now finished that old treatise on love in chapter 14, listen, he now said, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Did you see that? So, how does that look like practically? How does that look like practically? You must be able to, (laughs) Uh, you must be able to, Marry two realities. One reality is that the Holy Spirit gives according to his will. Second reality is that you can desire. What makes, what resolves that tension of he is giving according to his will, yet I can desire? What resolves the tension? Love. Oh, you don't know. Think about it. When you are not putting yourself first and you are praying, Lord, move among us, move, in, move through me. Move through me. Lord, I am open to tongues. I am open to interpretation of tongues. Lord, I am open to healings. Move through me. I am not forcing his hand, though. I am not engineering his gifts. I am not forcing his hands. I am praying because I love my brethren. When manifestations begin to show, because, of course, I am also desiring, right? What will be manifested is still the will of God. The reason why you will not be disappointed by what is manifested is because in the first place, when you were desiring, you were desiring because of other people. Does that make sense? And so as a church, we should be people who earnestly desire what Paul already says in chapter 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love. You are not trying to make a name for yourself. The moment you are trying to make a name for yourself, the moment you are trying to be popular, the moment you are trying to make people know you for a particular gift, you are not following the way of love. You are not prioritizing your brothers and sisters. You cannot be everything. That is where that mindset came from. We are the, we are it. Where they will tell us that you have all the gifts of the spirits. You can work in all the gifts of the spirits. And so we begin to try to force God's hands. When we, when we, they'll call you and say, you have begin to prophesy and you will say rubbish. And they'll say, you are growing. Don't worry. Do it again. And you say another rubbish. You are growing. Don't worry. Do it again. Because you are not doing it from love. You're not doing it from love. If the Lord gives you a word, you know that you are saying it because you love people. If he doesn't give you a word, it's because you love people also. Amen? But as a church, we will not despise this. As a church, we will be open to it. Because the more we are open, the more we will see. That's one, I'm sure, scripturally. The more we open up ourselves, the more we will see. One of the ways that practically also works is that you're actually praying for one another. Oh, you don't know that when you are praying for your brother, the gifts of the spirits will flow through you. Oh, you don't know. You will know because when you are praying, sometimes you will hear a word from the Lord for your brother. Sometimes you will know something is up. I know a brother in this church, you know, I wish he's here so that I can drag him properly. But he's listening online, so he will be dragged properly. He has a sister whom he loves, um, like a sister in Christ, whom he loves, you know, and all of that. And you know, he had known that, oh, she had been going through stuff, has been praying for her and all of that. One night, my brother was in his room and he saw a vision. He saw the sister with, you know, her hair and all of that. You know, who I'm talk- you know what I'm talking about? You know the story? Yes. He saw a vision of the sister crying or something like that. And immediately he called her and said, What's going on? And then the girl was actually going through a lot. You know, that is the way of love, where you are not forcing the hand of God, where you are open. And the Lord is working through you. So that if you pay attention when I'm leading prayers about the gifts of the Spirit, what do I say? I say, Lord, we are open. Work among us. Move among us. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, aliens. We are open. We are open. That is what your disposition should be. And at the same time, you are praying for your brothers and sisters. You, since you have unfeigned love. That's what the Bible calls The Bible just say you should love your brothers. It calls it unfeigned love. For the brethren. If you have unfeigned love for the brethren, the gifts of the Spirit, the abilities of the Spirit will walk through you. That's how it works practically. So you are not going to pray 12 hours so that you can have a gift. You are, if you are going to pray 12 hours, you are going to pray 12 hours because love is compelling you. Does that make sense? It is love that is compelling you to go and pray those 12 hours. Lord, help me. Help me. I want to reach the people in Bagada. Help me. Help me. Walk through me. Tell me if gifts to not show. Do you see the difference? It's not, Lord, I want to see vision. I want to see vision. Vision for what? I don't know. I just want to see angel. I just want to see angel. You will see things. You will see demon. You will see snake. But you are praying, Lord, we want to reach more people in our church. Lord, I'm traveling to choir State. Lord, I'm traveling to Niger. I'm traveling to Bono. Lord, I want to see more people saved. Work through me. Work through me. Use me. That is it. That is the way of love. Use me, Lord. Use me to heal the sick there. Use me, Lord. Use me to set at liberty those who are in bondage there. Use me, Lord. That is the way of love. It is not selfish. It is not boastful. It is not proud. Do you understand? The Lord gives gifts in our day. If you're not seeing gifts now, I think, I think it is because you want to, you're idolizing yourself and you're raising your your throne above the throne of God. Have you been blessed so far? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.